This is Sheffield Live. We're open for business live. Good morning and welcome to episode 393 of Business Live here on Sheffield Live, DAB and FM radio online and wherever you get your podcasts. It is Friday the 12th of January 2024 as this show first goes out. Happy New Year to you. Can I wish you a fulfilling, a happy, a successful year ahead, whatever that means to you. Just read a really, really interesting essay by Paul Graham of Y Combinator, his essay about purpose was published in 2006. I think it stands as a test of time. It's well worth a read. Other stuff well worth a read? Well, book recommendations coming up towards the end of the programme. But first, Catalyzing Community Enterprise. We've talked about a programme in Rotherham on the programme before. Some time ago, Nathan Atkinson, formerly of Rotherham Metropolitan Borough Council, now works at Trafford Council, came on the show to talk about how Rotherham Council transformed its adult social care offer to people with a learning disability and autistic people and how it had, in his words, shifted the dial from a traditional local authority run building based offer to a multitude of services that were being operated by local micro-enterprises. And Nathan talked also about the council's long-term My Front Door strategy, which aimed to maximise outcomes for people with a learning disability and autistic people. Now, I found that really, really interesting at the time. I wanted to go deeper into it and brought our guest today on, onto the show to find out how the programme worked and how the programme also enabled existing community enterprises and social enterprises to flourish and create new ones and new jobs too. So I was delighted to speak this week with Helen Allen, Director of Community Enterprise at Community Catalyst, a community interest company operating all over the UK, and with Harry Clarkson, who's a Principal Officer for Inclusion at Speak Up, Rotherham-based, but working regionally too. And uh, Harry is also involved in the Employment is for Everyone programme. So we're going to talk a lot about fostering the conditions that enable community enterprise and social enterprise to flourish and have also led to better outcomes for people with learning disabilities and for autistic people. Fascinating to hear their experience, their tips and their calls for action. After we hear this interview with Helen and with Harry, we have a whole load of new funding opportunities for businesses and social enterprises and a couple of interesting events and other pieces of news. But without further ado, let's hear from this week's guests, Helen Allen and Harry Clarkson, in an interview recorded this week, January 2024, about fostering community enterprise and social enterprise and their work in Rotherham and other work done all over the UK. We're open for business life. Helen, Harry, thank you for joining me. Helen Allen, can you introduce yourself, please? Yes, thanks, Jamie. Uh, so I'm Helen Allen. I'm the Director of Community Enterprise at Community Catalyst. We're a national organisation working across the UK. Thank you, Helen. Harry? I'm Harry Clarkson. I work for Speak Up. We're based in Rotherham, but a lot of our projects are kind of uh, local, but also regional. Uh, I'm a Principal Officer for Inclusion, and I'm also Project Lead for Employment is for Everyone, which is a social movement across South Yorkshire. Brilliant. And that is something that I'd love to hear more about in a moment or two. Before we get there, Helen, 
we've introduced the program today. We're, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about the work that has been done to support social and micro enterprises to flourish, existing ones to flourish and, uh, and scale up and new ones to, um, to start and to grow. Perhaps you can give us a quick recap from your point of view about what Community Catalyst did in Rotherham. Yeah, sure, Jenny. So I'll give a little bit of the background to us. So we are a community interest company. We're based in Harrogate, but we work nationally. We've been going since 2010, formally, and we set up because of the Putting People First agenda back in 2006, which really pushed absolutely, and we wholeheartedly agreed with, the personalisation agenda, people being able to really self-direct uh, their own support. And we knew that was that was crucial for people to really get a good life. Um, at the time, and I think it's carried on a little bit, the push was very much take a direct payment and employ a personal assistant. Fantastic for some people, very, very bespoke support for people. But actually, there wasn't much else in the uh, in areas for people to buy. So to really have that choice, there wasn't a lot of choice there. Obviously, the bigger commission services have a role to play in this as well. But we wanted to fill that space in the middle. We knew that we had the expertise to help local people set up what we call community microenterprises. Um, so we wanted to help the care ecosystem, really, to enable people to really take a direct payment and go and buy the supports that they wanted. So up and down the country, we've been working and we engage with local people who were interested in providing services or support to other local people. The micro bit means that they're small. You know, we, we're talking um, less than eight full-time equivalent workers at the onset when we work with them, or volunteers. The enterprise bit means that they can constitute themselves in many, many ways. They could be a sole trader. They could be a business. They could be a social enterprise, a kick, a charity, a co-op. We're not bothered. It's the fact that they're small and they want to do something for their for their local community. So up and down the country, we engage with those those people and we very much base uh, it, the enterprise is based on what they're passionate about, what their values are, what their motivation is in their community. They know what what people need. Our model generally is we so we're a capacity building organization. And we, 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 we like to say we've got the central expertise, Jamie. I'm not sure we have every time, but we've got the central expertise and we employ somebody locally to uh, implement our approach and our model. And we've got all the tools and resources for, for people to do that. In every area where we work, where we go into councils, um, when they bring us in to help to achieve, you know, lots of, lots of enterprises uh, to enable people to get their gloriously ordinary life. Um, we start off by having that conversation with the council of what are the gaps in your area. So in some areas, that might be we need more care and support at home because actually our, our dom care agencies can't travel 30, 40 minutes to the, the rural areas to support people in the home, older people. In other areas, like Rotherham, it's very much we want some more creative options that complement our existing traditional kind of day service offer. And in Rotherham, that was that was the approach. That's where they wanted us to um, to, to support that. So we started in Rotherham in 2017. We ran a project uh, until 2021. And that's where we employed Harry, who was the man on the ground to, uh, to make this happen. After that time, we're all about legacy. We, we want to build legacy. But actually, once we've enabled a council to really understand 
um, how this can work. And there's a lot of changes needed around system change, culture change to make this happen. Once we've got everything embedded, we don't want to hang around in a place. It's kind of, do you know what? You, you can do this on your own now. And after that time, Harry then worked for a short time for the council, um, keeping uh, the, the, the movement going and these little enterprises, um, you know, connected and uh, and sustainable. Brilliant. Helen, that was comprehensive and fascinating. It's going to prompt lots of follow-up questions, but I think it also is a natural moment to bring in Harry, as you talked about, you Harry was the employee on the ground in Rotherham on this project. Harry, from your perspective, what happened? You um, you uh, rolled your sleeves up um, and got stuck in. Tell us a little bit more about that. I think it was one of the first things we kind of did with a community catalyst was we kind of did a scoping exercise where we kind of wanted to have a look at what's already happening locally and what can we kind of tap into and support and engage with. Um, so that was a kind of key starting point. And then it was just kind of a bit of a a job of getting yourself out there, meeting local people, taking that local knowledge, forming those local connections to see, get a better understanding of where gaps might be, where opportunities might be, and just to make sure you're in the right place so that people who have had ideas um, who maybe have never been able to progress with it for whatever reason, know where you are, know that you're an option for them to go to. Um, and I think that's kind of how most of particularly the new community enterprises that uh, developed in Rotherham came about, really. It was just kind of, you would, it, it's a really difficult one in terms of trying to say how to find them because it was such a mixture. Some of them were people who were working in different jobs in the area some of them you would meet you know at a community center some of them at a ledger it could at a meeting it could be anywhere so it was just a, a bit of a get yourself out and about meet as many people as you can go to as many kind of um, events and things like that and just try and, and meet people and from there it's just getting those conversations going and seeing if somebody's got an idea and then working out how it is that you might be able to help them Yes, indeed. Absolutely. So there's a big process of meeting, of mapping, of understanding what is available, understanding what is wanted but isn't available and so on. I mean, it goes back to what Helen was talking about as well. And, and Helen, your work, Community Catalyst work across the UK too, uh, and, and your reason to exist, I suppose. It's admirable if people are given the opportunity to have agency and well it's not just admirable it's it's essential if people are given the opportunity to have agency and to um make choices so personal mm. independence pay, payments you 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 as a person choosing what you what support you want and need but there isn't actually agency if what you're looking for isn't available <laughs> so, so absolutely there isn't there isn't choice if the choice isn't there <laughs> that's it jamie and that that is absolutely why why we exist um so the emergence of personal budgets which tend to be um to enable people to really have that wide choice people tend to take that um uh, assessed amount of money as a direct payment and like you say that then gives them that it gives them the control but it doesn't give them the choice. And one without the other really doesn't work. And I think in every area, but particularly in, in, in Rotherham, um, you know, there were there, there were some internal day services that, that people had gone to for an awful long time. And I think it's in every area we've got to 
really work with um uh this isn't just specific to, to Rotherham, to carers, informal carers, people with a learning disability themselves, social workers, social prescribers, link workers. Um so our, our work is twofold really. It's it's in creating the choice, but it's also working with people who need some help to live their lives to really help them to understand there might be a different way out there. And it is really, really scary because actually, you know, councils, I worked for a council for many, many years. That's what we used to set up. We used to set up day services and people were assessed and, you know, that's where people went. And then suddenly it's, oh, we've got this new idea now, personalisation, it's wonderful. Well, actually, we recognise that people have built relationships with those people that have been going to that day centre for 20 years They've built relationships with their staff members. It's not as easy as just giving somebody a direct payment and say, go and buy your own support now. So there's an awful lot of work that goes on. And in every area, we we do this. And I think this is where it worked so well in Rotherham. We knew that there was a journey and the council were on that journey with us. Um, and one way that we, we we enable people to kind of dip their toe out of the water a little bit and think differently and try different things was we found that the, the great things in the community, and it exists in every area. I think it is that thing of often there's great things in every area, but it's not it's not joined into the system. It's not built into the social care system, and we shine a light on it. But actually, we've got to enable people to think, oh, okay, well, I've been coming to a council day service for all these years, but actually there might be something else out there. So we developed what we called a taster programme, and Harry was absolutely the... In, in Rotherham was absolutely the, the, the crux to this. He was the, the conduit to bring, to say, right, we've got all this stuff in the community. They're waving over here to say, yeah, we could we could help you. But we had to bring it over the bridge to people who were going to day centre, people with a learning disability, for their carers, for the staff to think differently. And I think the Taster programme, Harry, probably ran for a good year, was it? Remember, yeah, I think it was, yeah, probably around that time. Yeah, and that, that was really, we, we've got to create a safe space for people to try something different. And that's what the Taster programme did. It enabled people with a learning disability, with their carer, loved one, or a member of staff to say, okay, I've never actually tried whatever it might be, working on an allotment. And there's something out there very, very close to where I live, which is what this is all about, that place-based, you know, local. And actually to have that support from a member of staff to go try it and then come back and think, actually, I really this guy really enjoyed it, he might be more inclined to think about asking the council for a direct payment. Whereas previously, perhaps, you know, it had been, well, I've been to this day centre for many years and I'll just keep on doing that. Yes. And I think that then the model in, in Rotherham worked so well because they had the vision of their, um, their, their, their vision was to have, my, it's called my front door. And it was that everybody with a learning disability had a different view as they came out of their front door. Well, that isn't different if everybody's going to the same day centre. Yeah, so absolutely. actually this enable people to think differently, have a taste of somebody, something. And just to say, some of the enterprises, they don't charge. Some of them do charge just a little bit of, you know, just to cover costs. And then some people do absolutely charge for the support that they're providing. And it's their kind of full-time um, occupation. Um, so I think the Taster programme was really crucial to say, you know, this isn't about day centres closing. This is about people having those options just like anybody else. It's in the Care Act, Clause 5. And, and how do we get people over that bridge um, to kind of really think, do you know what? You're part of your community. So just try something that's on your doorstep. And we're very much about enabling people as well with a disability or with labels attached to them 
to contribute to their own community as well. So they're not passive recipients. They've actually got, they can really showcase what they can provide to that, um, yes. to their own community. That's really interesting, Helena. And those taster sessions sound like an absolutely crucial element here with many of those sessions developing into permanent provision by the sounds of it and, and take right. up being supported in some cases by direct payments. And you mentioned my front door and um, you mentioned that this isn't about um, putting council-run day centres at risk. And I think it's very interesting you, you flag that because it's probably a good moment to mention we have previously on the show interviewed Nathan Atkinson, formerly of Rotherham Council, now working for Trafford Council. And he came on the programme to talk about the council's perspective on this, obviously flagging up community catalysts um, and the the fact that the work that you did, that community catalysts did, that Harry did, was so essential and um crucial to the success of the programme in terms of the outcomes for people and community and micro enterprises and social enterprises too. But I'd encourage listeners to check out Nathan's interview so that they can um, hear any questions that could only be answered by by him rather than by by, by you, Helen, or, or by Harry, because I think we're covering new ground. We're covering your your roles and perspectives in this today. Harry, Helen was just talking about the taste sessions, which I understand ran from the start of uh, early 2017. And as Helen said, for, for around a year, developing those um, into permanent provision. And I know that that turned into something whereby social enterprises and micro enterprises, some of which existed already, some of which were new and created, um, ended up running activities for hundreds of people with learning disabilities and autistic people. I wonder if you could give us a couple of examples of the types of businesses and micro enterprises and social enterprises that um, either started or were enabled to flourish through the programme. Yeah, definitely, Jamie. I think it comes back to what Helen said there about what you both said earlier about people having that real choice. There really was that massive variety out there in the community or people with ideas of what they wanted to create. And that is what was so crucial for all of us is that we just wanted to make sure people had that real choice. And so giving people that opportunity to try different things was so important. So, I mean, it could really range from anything from uh, just thinking back, there was, so there was drama sessions, which might last, you know, a couple of hours to, uh, to enterprises that developed that offered support seven days a week, all hours. And it might be some, uh, options were based in a venue some options were just completely out in the community out and about it was about having that kind of flexibility and choice so like I said there was things around uh, drama or there was art groups there was um, things around employment there was things around all kinds of different sports and activities there were things about uh, developing new skills skills out and about in the community Um like I said, that full kind of range of offer, because it's kind of, that's what, you know, everyone wants that kind of range of choice in their life. And so that's what was kind of crucial for us. Uh, and like Helen said, is when you, 
look into uh, communities anywhere in the country, you'll find these absolute gems, these really talented, dedicated people, super skilled people who are running these different types of groups and they want to uh, either do it solely for a specific group of people or they want to be more inclusive and open up their groups. So there's a kind of whole massive range of it, really. Um, and I think part of the beauty of what well, one of the many kind of uh, amazing plus points of community enterprises and smaller organizations is they can be incredibly flexible so what we would talk to them all the time about is about how they shape what they're doing with people not to people so it's kind of working with the people that you're working with what do people want from your offer so if you're thinking this is a good idea use the feedback from your members and the people accessing what you're doing to go actually maybe i could do a bit more of this or we could shape it a little bit more like that and through doing that, people are essentially kind of uh, co-producing or at least co-designing what that offer can look like. Uh, and that's just to the benefit of everybody. So, yeah, just to bring it back to your kind of original question there, it, it was really the full range of stuff. It was about working out what do people want uh, and, and building those offers from there, really, or at least or extending an offer if something already exists. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I bet that flexibility is enormously valued by people accessing and using the services del being delivered by the enterprise's diverse um, services and activities. I bet it's really valued by the council as well. And certainly the words that I was given from, from Nathan Atkinson when he came on the programme was that seeing the enterprises as partners rather than... Um, um, hey, you're really lucky to get a contract from um, from us, <laughs> you know, or, or to or to be um, some sort of approved supplier from us. You you are partners in uh, part of a an offer to support autistic people and people with learning disabilities and give people the choice that they wanted. Um, now I wonder whether we are able to look at things like longevity then in terms of community enterprises supported by programs like this. And I have a question for you, Helen. Yeah. You've been working, as you say, extensively since um, since Community Catalyst was set up. I think you said 2006. Is that correct? I'm read, trying to read my own handwriting. Sorry, no, we, we set up in 2010, but actually... Sorry. In response to putting people first, um, which was the the, the um, agenda uh, that that came out from the government at that time, but actually we we started this in two thousand and seven. Which well, we'll answer your question here, Jamie. Honestly, um, it was a Department of Health funded project um, nice. to to you know have a go. Actually, if we do this, if we support people in the community to set up these enterprises, is it would it help the personalisation agenda? And we actually started in Oldham and Kent at that time in 2007. Right. Um, and I, I I managed the project in Oldham. So this was pre uh, the time that we set up Community Catalyst. So what's what's fantastic is the journey that we see, enterprises that we supported in Oldham back in 2007, 2008, I can, we still have contact with them. They're still running. They are sustainable. You know, they're, they're, they're um, offering that wonderful choice to people. And again, they become part of our part of our family almost, really. So actually, when we first started in Rotherham, we had a couple of enterprises from Rotherham come and talk to councillors at the time, so people could. 
it, to us, it's a very simple model. To others, it, 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 it isn't. So actually to bring enterprises and to show and to hear and to uh, really kind of feel the outcomes that they can provide for people is, is, I guess that's our USP. We've got so many amazing stories. So we brought enterprises from Oldham to, uh, to Rotherham. And we also connected, uh, Harry linked an awful lot with some enterprises that we supported in Nottinghamshire, which we probably did in 2011. And again, we've got some yeah. amazing, amazing enterprises that are still going. And then we come full circle that actually another authority that we're working with more recently then comes to Rotherham to learn how did we do it in Rotherham and how did we change that culture and and um, and what have you and the systems to make it work? Because there's so much that the council has to do. Uh, we can support the people to set up and what have you, but actually the council has to do an awful lot. And, and that's why it works so well in, in Rotherham. We really have that shared vision and the enterprises became part of the mainstream offer rather than an add-on. Um, and in the yeah. main, these enterprises are not going to be commissioned by the council and that's where we've got to get direct payments to work that money to flow um, so so well because actually in the main they're not commissioned directly from mm. the council. Often if they grow, they might be, but at, at, those, at those early days. So I think our model is very much based on ensuring that the enterprises um, are sustainable, that we, we don't want to leave an area and, and everything falls down. And I think a key part of our approach is our, what we call our development programme. And that's where we invite the enterprises in to meet Harry, to go through a process that really gets them to understand, you know, what are their skills, what are their, what are their natural talents? Don't don't go off in something that actually you don't know how to do. You'd have to buy somebody else in. Mm. Use the using their own assets, using assets in the community. So we don't want special buildings that actually they're going to have to pay a fortune for in rent. Keep it low, keep it local, and we want people to be connected into their communities anyway. Um, so we work really hard right from the beginning to make sure they've got everything in place to run a good, safe, sustainable enterprise. We help them, we handhold them through our development programme. And a key bit, I'm probably going a bit off off piece here, Jamie, but a key bit to enable really social workers and people and carers to believe in this approach, because it is massively different at, at the onset. We've got to get people to trust them to trust yes. these enterprises. So a key part for us, we've got what we call our doing it right standards. So mm -hmm. CQC doesn't doesn't um, regulate anything in the community whatsoever. But we know that it's absolutely crucial for people to be running good, safe services. So we enable these entrepreneurs to meet our standards. And it's what you would expect, that they've got a DBS check, they've got insurance, they've got appropriate training, they're registered with the Information Commissioner's Office. But more than that, they've got all the policies and procedures and contracts, but it's the way that they're working, which which is the kind of the the extra bit of the jigsaw that we bring so that they really are recognising the assets of people themselves coming to them and they're not running just another little uh, a day centre where people might come for another 20 years. You know, yes. that it's about connecting to the community. It's about like where might Harry move on? And like, like Harry said, they're very flexible, responsive. I remember one enterprise started off doing um one activity but then actually they were supporting those people with learning disabilities to run coffee mornings for the community mm -hmm. so it's it's about trying to get people to absolutely kind of engage in the community so i'm sorry i'm, I'm waffling a little bit now it's but, really yeah. it's really interesting though helen and 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 so i mean for community catalyst itself as a community interest company earning your income you are presumably being paid by somebody to run 
capacity building so that a community enterprise, as you've described just a moment ago, can meet these and exceed these standards. Um, yeah. Um, so since since you actually incorporated formally, how has your organisation as a, as a social enterprise, how have you grown? What's, what, what are your staff numbers now? How many um how many staff um do you have how many contracts do you have and if yeah. you're able to say on air what's your what's your turnover so we can get an idea of the scale of your organization uh, i won't be able to tell you turnover i'd have to ask my uh my colleague uh, on that one but absolutely we've, we've grown massively so we started off just at kind of four of us back in 2010 with a couple of contracts and that's right it's the councils that contract with us in the main where we get our income from but well, we started off uh, in the main supporting community enterprise, but the Community Catalyst family now consists of with a network for local area coordination. We oversee the Coalition for Personalised Care. We've got family group conferencing that we support as well. That's in our family. We have a wonderful website called Small Good Stuff. And that's a great place that when we enable these enterprises to get up and running, they've got they're responsible for getting their own um, people, bums on seats, customers. But Small Good Stuff is our directory that they can go on. And that's where we signpost people who perhaps are looking for care, care and support as well. We're currently working. We've got contracts in about 24 local authority areas at this moment in time. Um, and yeah, I think yeah. when, when COVID hit, we were really worried. We thought, how on earth are we going to do this? But actually, you know, we, we've because we work nationally, I could be on trains up and down the country in the past. And now we've got the beauty of Zoom and what have you that actually we can work in so many more areas. We've got probably about 50 staff in total. So we have a core team who are then supporting people on what tends to be on the community microenterprise side, two-year contracts. We, If we do a good job, we tend to get extended a third year and, uh, and a fourth year. Um, I was going to say something else then. Well, I, well, I think I think you, it's just flagged up something which is, I think is worth raising. You've talked about flexibility, and you've talked about how you uh, you, you mentioned COVID and um, mm. to what extent it affected That's... community catalysts. And I, I think it just is worth raising the point that public services were obviously under enormous pressure during yes. COVID to to be there for everyone who uses. And in many cases, depends on public services, often vulnerable people in the face of, you know, enormous challenges to organisation, to delivery, exploding demand. Um, and social enterprises stepped up. Absolutely. They've always been flexible, but they stepped up. They met communities' needs, but they met local authorities' needs as key strategic partners as well. They're often the only safety net. And I think that was that has been recognised by the independent inquiry into the impact of COVID on the social enterprise sector, um, which said the nation should be proud of our social enterprises and their commitment to communities and the efforts their staff made and their resilience. And I'm just sort of jumping onto one of my favourite hobby horses here by saying this, because I think sometimes it isn't recognised as much as it should be that um, um, social enterprise as a form of business and as key strategic purpose aligned partners with councils and in public services often um uh are 
should should have the recognition for for that. But I'll climb back off the hobby horse now. <laughs> well, you just brought me back, okay. Jamie. Just sorry, just to say we weren't sure what was going to happen during COVID, but actually more councils came to us because it became more apparent that small local is beautiful. So that was wonderful for us. We grew a lot of our work, our contracts grew at that time. But Harry, I think we're going to. Talk about how the enterprises stepped up during COVID in Rotherham. They were amazing, weren't they, Harry? Yeah. Sorry, you read my mind, Helen. Yeah, I just think yeah. it's, I just need to say like the response from the enterprise was absolutely phenomenal. You know, it literally, I mean, we were all going through, weren't we? The kind of the, you'd watch one announcement and then the whole format, the whole how what's happened what you can and can't do in the country changed at the kind of click of a finger and the enterprise has just responded to that immediately and went beyond what they were doing so obviously you know you might they might have gone from running a, a particular activity to all of a sudden they were supporting people uh they they would uh a lot of them moved online for a lot of their activities if they couldn't see people face to face but they went well beyond that as well they were doing food parcels for people they were supporting entire families with all kinds of different things you know it kind of i thought you'll never see more evidence of just how dedicated these people are to what they do um similarly through through community catalyst what we ended up doing was we uh me myself and a colleague uh at the time zoe we created something called the buzz that we ran uh, with helen and other colleagues at community catalyst and what we were doing was we were showcasing activities from community enterprises across the whole country and putting them online so that anybody who was kind of isolating at home that weren't able to do their kind of normal activities or the activities they do during the week they could then access all of that um, and then just quickly to add to that as well, I think the way that the council responded was phenomenal as well. So we would have regular meetings with um, with colleagues at the council and with the community enterprises just to try and navigate through how do we uh, how do we keep people safe, but also engage with these activities and make sure everybody's OK. And obviously, it's incredibly difficult when the advice was changing so quickly. But that was the great example of what you were talking about earlier, Jamie, about that kind of partnership and collaboration that was absolutely crucial throughout the project. Project, but never more so as it was during um, uh, COVID. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I mean, it's 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 lovely to hear you describe that, and um, it's it's very very important, and it it's very very important going forward as well, and in terms of the the flexibility and adaptability and um, the alignment, and if you like, with I've used the phrase purpose aligned um, when I've talked about this in the past. Uh, Harry, a few things that Helen. Um, mentioned um lead on to a couple of other questions and you've 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 addressed probably the most obvious first one um but something that's come up a couple of times has been the idea of system change system support so that community enterprises can thrive um helen has talked about building capacity supporting organizations so that they um, meet and exceed standards and so on. I wonder if you have any observations on system change that can enable enterprises to thrive, survive, develop, start and grow. From an enterprise perspective, you mean how how do they yeah. become sustainable and thrive? Um, yeah, and and what and system change within the environment in which they operate. So anything that happened in Rotherham that um, that we haven't covered that um, supported the environment for the enterprises as well. 
I think one of the kind of one of the along with like the incre- increasing choice for people, I think what was absolutely crucial for us as community catalysts and, and from the council's perspective, from everyone's perspective really, was about how much of the stuff was people led or co-produced or co-designed. It was, you know, through these kind of activities, um, people going into employment or volunteering, people have uh, created brand new uh, community gardens and running allotments and uh Artwork South Yorkshire ran an international arts competition for people with learning disabilities and autism. Uh, in South, it was an international competition, but held in Rotherham. Um, people were running cafes, all kinds of amazing different community projects, etc. So I think that was absolutely key. Was um, people just recognising that it's kind of how many uh, incredibly talented people. Uh, well, all across the country and just giving people that kind of pathway and that opportunity uh, to develop those skills and expand on those skills and, and do all of these things. And I think for a lot of enterprises, that then kind of, as they saw more and more of that, it was they sort of gained that confidence to kind of really go with their innovation and their creativity. Um, going back to, I think we kind of covered it already, but that kind of partnership as well between people, between the enterprises, between the council, yes. between the voluntary sector, all of those things. Um, yes. You need all of that or it just doesn't work. If, if yeah. people are kind of all, I mean, and ultimately we all wanted the same thing, which was uh, more options for people and those options to be really good. So I think that kind of um, partnership yes. and collaboration was absolutely crucial and then, and then like i said following up with that was the kind of the confidence building i guess it's kind of these these people having these ideas and then building it up a step at a time and that's kind of going back to what helen was saying about having what we'd use the kind of tools and resources we'd use to help them navigate that and signpost to things and, and so that they could pull because it's you know it's huge when you're starting something particularly if you're starting it from scratch it's absolutely massive what the kind of things you need to think about but when you chunk it up and then you have the tools and resources to do that that's how you can kind of build it and, and make it sustainable and make it uh, quality did that answer what you were meaning, yeah, Jamie? Sorry. Sense. Yeah, that's 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 very helpful. Thank you. And and Harry, whilst we have you on, Helen, we'll we'll, we'll return to you in a moment. But uh, whilst you're here, Harry, I'd like to ask you about employments for everyone. The program that you talked about earlier, I understand it's um, very successful program in terms of improving opportunities. Um, in employment and education too, possibly if I got that, um, but certainly improving opportunities for people with learning disabilities and autistic people. Um, tell us a little bit more about employment, employments for everyone and what the programme is and does. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so employment is for everyone, that kind of came about through, there was a, a big regional event um, held um, and it was asking people with learning disabilities and autistic people kind of some of the subjects that really matter to them. Um, one of the subjects that came up was employment uh, and the kind of discussion very quickly moved to um, the kind of mul- the, the many barriers that there are to people getting into employment. Um, and to try and cut a very long story short, a colleague in public health from Rotherham Council managed to get a small pot of money and he was kind of thinking, well, what can I do to challenge this then? How can I make things better for people? Because we know there's so many talented people out there who could be doing all kinds of jobs. How, what could I do? So it's only a small pot of money. So we thought, well, let, let's create a promotional video. Uh, at that point, he got in touch with me. And this, again, is where kind of uh, enterprises just go on to become bigger things and work together and network and develop. So what we did at that point was we 
pulled in four other community enterprises who were doing things already around kind of employment or skills development or training uh, for people with learning disabilities and, and people uh, with autism. And so we created that promotional video uh, and straight off the back of that, we immediately had businesses going, this is brilliant. We want to employ people. What do we do next? So that, of course, made us panic very quickly to go, we need a landing space for this. So we had to the next day create a website and, you know, none of us are web designers. So we were utilizing skills across the kind of collaborative as it was to then create a website that was trying to pull together all the employment, sport employment, sport internship, training, apprenticeship information, because what people again were telling us was they can't find the information they need. Uh, there's so much stuff out there, but it's it's difficult to locate exactly what where it is. So what we were trying to do is pull all of that information together across the whole of South Yorkshire into one website. And that's what we've done with the employment is for everyone.org.uk website. We're trying to make that a lot more accessible and put it all into one place so that people can find that. As we did that, we were regularly getting invited into more and more meetings and more and more networks around this. And we were getting more and more employers sort of saying, we really like this approach. We like how you're kind of coordinating things because what they kind of fed back is one of their difficulties is they often get overwhelmed by... Uh, people approaching them for opportunities, etc. Whether it's kind of you know, uh, can people do? Uh, can you come and talk to a school? Can you offer this opportunity? Can you offer that opportunity? So we were trying to coordinate some of that, and that's what we've been doing with a lot of businesses now is holding sort of employability sessions where people can come in and experience that uh, that business as an employer. See what kind of careers you could get in there and then what we do is we share that out equally with any organisation across South Yorkshire that's worked with us. The idea behind that being, you know, if you've got, I don't know, let's say a tech company uh, are offering an opportunity, we want to make sure that anybody who's interested in a career in tech across South Yorkshire with a learning disability or with autism is aware of that opportunity. Whereas obviously, if it's just going through one area or one uh, particular organisation, you're going to miss a whole pool of talented people who that would be ideal for. Uh, similarly, yes. we're, we're working with um, the local, in the South Yorkshire Integrated Care Board. So they kind of doing a lot of the regional work around this. Uh, and we're working with the four local authorities across South Yorkshire. And the idea behind that being, let's try and avoid duplication, let's share resources, let's share good practice. Let's collaborate as much as we possibly can uh, to, to try and improve the employment opportunities for people. And um, through that kind of approach and through that network and through enterprises driving all of this and people driving all of this everything we do at speaker was co-produced with people with lived experience and experts by experience we're finding that kind of different approach is really helping um and we're kind of linking in with amazing people from all the local authorities and all the, and the icb and all the enterprises and that that kind of real strength of people who are incredibly passionate and dedicated to this that it is working we're getting lots of businesses interested we're getting lots of opportunities for people and and people are going into work as a result of that so Brilliant. it's something that we're really wanting to um to, to build on and just to bring it back to the kind of original why we're here to talk today that all stemmed from community enterprises from people in the community who knew what the local gaps were and were really passionate about changing it and really willing to work together even though you know on the face of it some of them could have seen each other as competitors they didn't have that approach it was a we want to make things better for people so let's collaborate yes. let's use the strength and develop it together oh the power of collaboration is um is, is coming across really clearly here harry thank you that that was fascinating um just um 30 seconds ago you mentioned uh, partnering with local authority partnering with the icb can you just um elaborate icb 
Uh, yeah, so that is, we work with, uh, very close with our in South Yorkshire Integrated Care Board. So they kind yeah. of do a lot of work about bringing together uh, local authorities and the NHS to work on specific topics. Uh, and so we kind of really worked with them closely on the em employment conversation because that event that I talked about originally where this whole thing stemmed from, that came from that, that came fr from that kind of regional approach and looking yes. at those the, those things and what what's been interesting through this work is the more the, we've met with a couple of other areas who have kind of taken a collaborative approach and, and maybe have done it for longer they're all feeding back exactly the same thing which is wherever the ICB and the local authorities and the community and people are working together as a partnership that's where they're getting results where it can be difficult is is if that's not happening whereas fortunately in South Yorkshire we've got some really great leaders on this and people in the community who are making that happen um so yeah we just really want to build on that further that was really good to know thank you Harry that's 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 tremendous so we've covered a lot of ground today um Helen you've um described community catalysts work across the UK and you've talked about your absolute passion to enable programs that support people with a disability to use their talents mm -hmm. to develop what they want to do um, to access activities they want to develop enterprises and and more you've talked also about working with commissioners if you had a message for commissioners listening to this thinking this sounds exciting i would love to enable this type of activity mm -hmm. um, what would you say to commissioners who are ambitious optimistic hopeful purposeful um, but maybe may struggling to make those first steps yeah, well, I guess for us, it's pick up the phone and speak to us. We're always happy just to have a bit of an informal chat, um, share our experience. And I think, obviously, this project was very much about people with a disability. All our projects cover, you know, lots and lots of stuff around support for people, for older people. And we can flex our approach to meet the needs of that commissioner, of that area, to fill the gaps that they're, they're struggling to fill. And I think in, in some areas, commissioners are really keen to support the direct pay, direct payment movement, self-directed support, but actually they can't quite, this can really, if we build it, that's kind of our motto sometimes, we'll build it, people will come. So, and, you know, people come to it, councils come to us where there's the, the understanding of we need something different, but we don't quite know how to go about it. We do, originally when we start in an area, we do a diagnostic. So we, we speak to so many people. So we know Rotherham inside out now. I know Kent inside out now because we're working there. If we go to a new area, it's different. The geography is different. The, the demographics different. The everything's different. So we always get to know a place, and that's I think what we're about is understanding the place, what the gaps, what what are the issues, and it's very much about building that relationship. And I think that's why it worked so well in in Rotherham was we had that strategic buy-in and we worked together to um to, to really kind of get over that to get over that bridge. Um, I think we've got a lot of offers that can help in lots of ways. I think because we're a small, we're still small, really, as a kick, we're flexible. So over the last few years, actually during COVID, we developed something called a big conversation. So it might be that a council doesn't even know what, what people with a learning disability want or people generally want. Actually, we've got an approach now that we come in even before the council is a, quite knows what, what's needed to have a big conversation with people to enable uh, councils to put the strategy in place perhaps to to bring personalization to life so i think the approach is yeah come and talk to us 
we, we I also run what's called a shared learning network because we've got councils that have been doing this for years and years and years. We've got new ones. We connect everybody up. Uh, we bring um, uh, speakers in. So we've got Think Local Act Personal coming next week to a, a session, Self-Directed Futures, to really kind of, you know, how can we change the system, the culture to enable, um, you know, these these little enterprises to thrive. And at the end of the day, all we're trying to do is make sure that people get a good life. That's 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 our mission. Um, so the more we can do this up and down the country, the better. Well, that sounds like a um, very apposite note on which to draw to a conclusion. You have mentioned um, the website, I think it's communitycatalyst.co.uk, so folk can find out more there, Helen. Um, you also mentioned the small, um, small Good Stuff directory. Okay. We'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Brilliant. Uh, absolutely fascinating. Um, then, Harry, you mentioned the Employment for Everyone website. And um, let me just check that I've got this correct. Employment is for everyone.org.uk. Is that right? Yeah, right. Thanks, Jamie. Brilliant. And did you want to mention the um, Speak Up website or um, where people can find out more about that? Uh, yeah, and that's uh, www.speakuporoneword.org.uk. Uh, and, and similar to Helen, if anyone wants to get in touch, we'd be very happy to talk to them about the work that we do there. Um, and, and yeah, if anybody wants to get involved in that, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Super. Well, we've talked here about nurturing, supporting, creating and helping social and micro enterprises to grow, to create um, valued and valuable jobs to contribute to local economies and to create real, real outcomes. We've talked here about commissioning. Um, we've talked about developing services that go beyond traditional services to create a new and personalised offer, offering people services that they want and need. It's been absolutely fascinating. And I want to thank you both, Helen Allen and Harry Clarkson. Thanks ever so much for joining us on the programme today. Thanks, Jamie. We're open for Business Live. It's episode 393 of Business Live here on Shefford Live FM and DAB Radio online. And of course, wherever you get your podcasts, I'm Jamie Veach. You've just heard our guests today, Helen Allen and Harry Clarkson, talking about catalyzing community enterprise and much much more of course if you've just tuned in on the radio then catch the show on your podcast platform of choice we have a few funding opportunities coming up for businesses and social enterprises before we wrap up for the day so let's get straight in first of all charities aid foundation caf is opening a brand new fund for social enterprises and charities in the UK, including those with international projects. And the fund has £10 million of philanthropic capital to make use of as both lending and grant finance. They say they're actually aiming to increase the size of the fund to £20 million. The fund is open for applications or will be open. They've announced the fund is opening in early 2024. It will be open for applications on an ongoing basis. It will be cause universal. They say they want to ensure everyone has access to unaffordable and unrestricted finance. That's a bold ambition. And you can get in touch now 
to register your interest so that you learn when the fund is actually open for applications. If you want to do that, you need to go to cafonline.org. I'll put the link to that into the show notes. We're open for business life. Unlimited, the foundation for social entrepreneurs, is offering grants and business support to social entrepreneurs, both those wanting to start a social enterprise and those wanting to grow an existing social enterprise. So grants of up to £18,000 to grow an existing social enterprise, which has been operating for between one and four years. Grants of up to £8,000 for social enterprises that have not yet started or have been running for under a year. Eligibility criteria and other details are available on the Unlimited website unltd.org.uk take a look at the awards section and then you can look at starting up or at scaling up for full details we're open for business life and it's lovely to read the formal announcement about the launch of the new sega program a new initiative for social enterprises in sheffield sheffield city council has commissioned the Sheffield Social Enterprise Network to create the Social Enterprise Growth Accelerator, SEGA programme, and that's in partnership with the Chamber and with South Yorkshire Community Foundation to provide specialist business support and advice for social enterprises in Sheffield. The programme aims to support at least 100 established social enterprises in the city and to create at least 30 new social enterprises and you can read about the announcement on the Sheffield Chamber of Commerce website, scci.org.uk, which also includes a phone number um, to find details of how to become part of the programme. We're open for business life. If you'd like to support refugee and migrant entrepreneurs, or you already do, then here's an event for you. It's run by the Centre for Entrepreneurs and the Refugee Entrepreneurship Network. It's taking place online on Friday the 19th of January. It's free to attend. It's two hours from 12 noon until 2pm. And the session will cover learning and good practice from what they describe as the front line of refugee and migrant entrepreneur and uh, entrepreneur support. Um, Take a look at the page about it on eventbrite.co.uk. If you look up Refugee Entrepreneurship Network, then you should be able to find the event. But again, I'll link to that in the show notes. We're open for Business Live. That's it for this episode 393 of Business Live here on Sheffield Live, FM and DAB Radio and online and wherever you get your podcasts. So please do get in touch if you want to be on the show or suggest a topic we should cover or put yourself forward to be on the programme. We do have a variety of exciting guests lined up for our next few weeks, but we're always interested in hearing from you as we nudge ever forward towards our 400th episode which will be in just a few weeks this year. And it is going to be an interesting year for entrepreneurship with a general election um, slated for autumn. Um, Undoubtedly lots um, of policy announcements coming up from um, political parties about the conditions to foster entrepreneurship, self-employment and social enterprise. So we look forward to hearing about those. If you have a view, of course, then you're always interested. You're always welcome to get in touch on the conditions for 
um, business, purpose-led business, entrepreneurship, small business, self-employment, social enterprise to thrive. What would you do if you were a benign dictator for a day? What would you like to see happen? I mentioned at the start of the programme today I would flag up a reading recommendation, a book recommendation, um, because I read loads of really interesting articles um, over the Christmas and festive period break. Always a a lovely chance to do that, read throughout the year, Um, but uh, you can really get your teeth into something when you take a break. One of the books that I read was a gift from my son, and it's uh, called Ella Minnow P. It's written by Mark Dunn. It's a novel in letters, in um, in which letters of the alphabet gradually disappear, and the writer, the writers, have to um, have to progress without using each letter as it disappears. But there is a, it's very, very funny, but it's also a, a really serious message about censorship, about the misuse of power by elected or appointed officials, by obedience to authority, by, about freedom of speech, and lots, lots more. It's funny, but it's really, really interesting. I highly recommend it. Okay, that's it for the show. Thanks ever so much for listening. Thank you, Shefford Live, for putting us out there on the FM and DAB airwaves. Thank you to our guests, Helen and Harry, for spending um, time with me to give your generous insights into the work that you have done and continue to do. We will be back on air next week, so um, listen to us then. Um, Get in touch if you want to. And thanks once again for listening to the show. We're open for business life. Sheffield Live. Made in Sheffield. Made by you.